0: Welcome to The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Listen to Joe tackle the really tough moral issues, current events, and politics from a Catholic perspective. Now here's Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy.
1: Hello again, Sixpackers, and welcome back to The Cantankerous Catholic, Episode 55. Pope Francis is at it again. In the last few weeks, he's sown more confusion and dissension. He's making moves that have the laity asking priests what to think and how to respond to his crazy antics, and the poor priests are scratching their heads because they're not really quite sure what to say. For all the bad things coming out of this pontificate, there's one good and positive thing, too. We'll talk about both the good and the bad when we come back. I've been sharing the faith with people for over 30 years. The Holy Spirit has used me to make hundreds of converts and 84 of them are my adult godchildren. When the Holy Spirit works through us in a big way, he usually uses the talents given to us before we were even born. When we develop those talents for him, we're often impelled to pass on to others what we've done and how we've done it for the greater glory of God. That's why I wrote The Lay Evangelist Handbook. You might say The Lay Evangelist Handbook was 30 years in the making, because in this book I share with you all the best that I've learned about how to share the faith with laps and non-Catholics so you can bring your friends and family to the fullness of divinely revealed truth. The very first chapter gives you a thorough explanation of the things you need to do to maximize your effectiveness so you won't end up with egg on your face when trying to engage people. I explain the differences between the various types of lay evangelists and others you can learn from. I even talk about some statistics that should help give you a real sense of urgency for sharing the faith. Then I get to the step-by-step process for sharing the faith. I give a full presentation of the exact text I've used and refined for 30 years. I tell you what to do, what to say, and how to do and say it, while leaving room for you to work in your own personality and make these techniques your own. There's no other book like this on the market. So get your print or ebook copy of The Lay Evangelist Handbook today. It's available in print on CantankerousCatholic.com or in print and ebook on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Apparently, Pope Francis intends to completely recreate our holy and ancient faith in his own image and likeness. That's something he simply cannot do. It's true that we owe the Supreme Pontiff our obedience in all things regarding faith and morals, but not when the things he's teaching are heresies. How do you determine if Francis is teaching heresy? By comparing what he's teaching with the constant 2,000-year teachings of the Church, of course. And that leads to the one good thing Francis' goofy teachings has caused, which I'll discuss before explaining the bad stuff. Francis is no idiot. He knows the Catholic laity have been very poorly catechized over the last 55 years, and he's taken advantage of that. He knows Catholics believe they're supposed to follow the magisterial teachings of the Pope, so under the guise of church reform, which isn't normally necessarily a bad thing, he's not reforming the church, but actually dismantling the church one brick at a time. After all, He's an admitted adherent to socialism, which was condemned by Pope Leo XIII and eight subsequent popes, and he's a proponent of the socialist liberation theology, which was condemned by Pope St. John Paul II and Benedict XVI. So the bottom line is that Francis is counting on the ignorance of the laity to pull off his plan to destroy the church from within. While I refuse to say Francis is evil because God created man and declared all his creation good, I'll certainly emphatically state that what Francis is doing is pure evil, and God will judge his actions accordingly. Remember what Jesus said about the whole millstone around the neck and depths of the sea thingy? What Francis didn't count on was the laity. There have been various times throughout history when it wasn't the bishops who saved the Catholic Church, but rather the laity, most notably regarding the heresy of Nestorianism in the 5th century. The reason for this is because of what I call the divine checks and balances system, where the Holy Spirit is the arbiter of truth. Devout Catholics who love the Church Even though they may not know the faith as well as they should, thanks to a movement of the Holy Spirit, they have what the Church calls the sensus fidei, or sense of faith. In other words, they intuitively know what Francis is teaching is a steaming pile of bovine feces. What this has caused is an overwhelming desire among good Catholics, like you six-packers, to learn the faith well what should have been taught in the first place over the past 55 years. The laity are beginning to long for the full teachings of Catholicism, absent of namby-pamby milk-toast platitudes. They're beginning to reject the things the Kumbaya crowd promotes. That's because of their census fidei, and the only thing that explains why the Joe Sixpack the Every Catholic Guy apostolate has been experiencing almost exponential growth in recent months. They're anxious to learn through the JoeSixpackAnswers.com website, the free email course about the faith, the Sharing the Catholic Faith free live webinars, and my book, Secrets of the Catholic Faith. So what is it about the teachings of Pope Francis the laity are intuitively rejecting? Perhaps the one thing that unfurled the biggest red flag for Catholics was when Pope Francis stood and watched Amazon region natives worship the Pachamama idol in the Vatican Gardens, followed by allowing its display in one of his churches in the Diocese of Rome. That was pure evil from the bowels of hell, and it implicitly taught us that Francis is all right with the worship of a false god, but technically that's not a false teaching of this pope. What I'm referring to as his bona fide heretical teachings are the changes to the one document of the Catholic Church that's at the heart of all Catholic teaching, the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The first change to the Catechism of the Catholic Church is Francis' teaching on capital punishment. Judaism has taught that capital punishment was proclaimed by God himself for particularly heinous crimes for 5,000 years, and since we Catholics are really nothing more than New Covenant Jews, we've taught that very same thing for 2,000 years. Now there's this little thing in Catholic theology called the legitimate development of doctrine. St. John Paul utilized legitimate development of doctrine regarding capital punishment when he taught that, because of our advancements in penology, capital punishment should only be used when there's no other way to protect society. He didn't teach that it should be eliminated altogether. Francis, on the other hand, has declared the use of capital punishment as a sin, and he's changed the Catechism of the Catholic Church to reflect that. In this case, he's not only counting on the catechetical illiteracy of the laity, but he's also counting on various global political movements to make it reasonable and acceptable by Catholics throughout the world. But at the end of the day, this is blatant heresy. For the record, I'm vehemently opposed to capital punishment for the more developed Occidental nations, except for treason against a legitimate government. Treason risks the lives and freedom of every man, woman, and child of a nation, and it's seldom committed on the basis of ideology or moral commitment. Treason's usually committed for money or personal gain. For all other crimes—murder, rape, etc., we have the ability in Occidental nations to segregate a criminal from society for the entirety of his life and still treat him humanely. Francis hasn't stopped at capital punishment, either. Now he's adding an entirely new section to the Catechism of the Catholic Church having to do with environmental sins. He claims belief in the global warming hoax, but he's no more of a believer in that completely unscientific issue than the man in the moon. He simply wants to help advance the cause of his fellow socialists and leftists throughout the world. As James Madison said, crisis is the rallying cry of the tyrant. The leftists around the globe are saying climate change is a crisis. World leaders who promote the climate change agenda don't give a damn about the earth or the environment. The more honest among them, which is almost an oxymoron, have said that the promotion of climate change doesn't have anything to do with the environment nor the preservation of human life. The whole reason behind this hoax is that the left wants to take total control of the global economy. Whoever controls the economy controls the people. Leftists want to dictate everything in our lives. They want total control. They want to enslave us. They want to take control of telling us if, when, and how many children you can have. They want to be in charge of rearing your children so they can indoctrinate them. That's why they're working so hard to abolish the Second Amendment in America, because as long as we keep and bear arms, they'll never be able to gain total control. Just in case you have any doubts about what Pope Francis wants, he's publicly stated and conveyed to the United Nations that he wants the UN to forcibly take control of all nations' governments and force the world to live under a one-world government and he said he'd willingly submit the Catholic Church to its governance. His first test of this insane agenda was to submit the Catholic Church in China to the communist government of that country. They've already replaced crucifixes with photographs of Chinese communist leaders and displays of the Ten Commandments with communist sayings. The environmental section, being added to the Catechism of the Catholic Church, Francis says, is because the Church has never addressed sins against the earth. Well, there's a good reason the Church has never addressed such sins. It's because there isn't such a thing. It's a given that you can sin against God, and to sin against another person is also to sin against God. But you can't sin against the earth. It's not possible. The church has always taught that man has an obligation to manage his environment and everything in it wisely. She's always taught that because God gave us dominion over the earth and the animals at the dawn of time. Just read the creation narrative in Genesis. However, there's never been a mention of sin against animals and earth, because we can only sin against God and our fellow man. I've said this before, and it bears repeating here. First of all, you have a gravely moral obligation to learn the faith. You're a good Catholic because you're a six-packer, but I can guarantee you that at least 95% of you don't know the faith as well as you should, regardless of what you may think about that. You can't live what you don't know, and based on what I've said thus far, you should now be painfully aware that we Catholics have to be more serious about our faith than ever before. If you have any doubts about this, just contact me through the Cantankerous Catholic Podcast website, and I'll send you a quiz that any Catholic eighth grader could have passed 70 years ago. So how can we determine whether things coming out of the Vatican are heretical? The obvious things are to better learn the fullness of the faith, read the dogmatic documents of Vatican II, read the various documents of previous popes, and, most of all, study the extant writing of the early Christian fathers. Paul wrote in Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Since Paul rightly says that Jesus doesn't change because perfection can't change, his laws and doctrines can't change either. So if you want to determine if what Francis is teaching is orthodox or heresy, read what the church fathers have taught since the very first century. Okay, I realize that all this takes a boatload of time. I also realize that most of you haven't had the practice of good study habits since you were a student. Few of you have the time for study that I have, which is also a hindrance to you. After all, studying and writing about the Catholic faith is what I do every moment of every day. The solution is to let me help you learn. I'm a consecrated member of the Marian Catechist Apostolate, under the direct supervision of Raymond Leo Cardinal Burke, and a Marian Catechist must go through a rigorous training in the faith. In case you didn't know, Cardinal Burke is the most outspoken promoter of Catholic orthodoxy in the English-speaking world, often finding himself directly contradicting the teachings of Pope Francis. His eminence endorses everything I do to teach the faith. There's a tremendous number of things I can do to help you learn and live the Catholic faith better, and nearly all of them are free. The only things that cost anything are my books. I have 6 books in print now and at least 2 more coming in 2020. There's also a free email course I offer on josexpecanswers.com. Each of the lessons are short but rich in Catholic content. All you have to do is go to josexpecanswers.com and register in the form in the right sidebar. Each lesson will begin coming directly into your inbox every 3 days. When you sign up for the free email course, you'll begin getting invitations to weekly live webinars I host called Sharing the Catholic Faith. The webinars are free, too. If the time of the webinar isn't convenient for you, register anyway. Those who register will get a link to a recording of the live event. The biggest drawback to the recording is that you can't ask questions. In the live event, I always allow participants to ask questions, and they can do so in complete anonymity. There's one other thing I do for free, but it'll cost you a little bit to access it. I write a weekly column for The Wonder, America's oldest independent Catholic newspaper. The column is called What We Believe, Why We Believe. The only reason I write for this paper, and do so without the compensation other columnists get, is because I want to reach as many practicing Catholics as I can. That's my God-given mission. Besides, I've been a wanderer reader for over 30 years, and I believe every Catholic who loves our holy and ancient faith should read it as well. Okay, so now you're aware of the evil abyss the Church is slipping into because of the actions of Pope Francis. Since there isn't anything we can do about him except pray, and never underestimate the power of prayer, and we can't defect from the church because of him if we hope to one day go to heaven, then our primary mission is to learn and live the Catholic faith more completely. Let's work together to bring the church and Catholics back to where they belong. The Catholic laity of the 5th century did it. We can too. I'd very much appreciate it if you'd let me know what you think about this episode, so I can give you more of what you want and need. Our eternal souls hang in the balance.
0: Learn things about the Catholic faith you never knew in Joe Sixpack's Secrets of the Catholic Faith. There are many essentials to our holy and ancient faith that few modern Catholics know. Those essentials have become, well, secrets. Hence the title, Secrets of the Catholic Faith. Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy, is always exciting, never boring, and completely politically incorrect. He never shies away from the so-called untouchable moral issues. With his use of humor and directness, readers and students can never get enough of what he teaches. According to Joe, there isn't one single teaching of the Catholic Church that can't be completely demonstrated to an inquiring mind. Everything can be demonstrated. But the Catholic laity aren't being taught these things. They're being fed pablum when they need and want meat. Secrets of the Catholic Faith is actually exciting and it will make any Catholic's chest swell with pride. So get your copy of Secrets of the Catholic Faith by Joe Sixpack, the every Catholic guy today in print or ebook on Amazon, Apple Books, Barnes & Noble and Kobo. Joe Sixpack The Every Catholic Guy wants to make sure you're informed about all the Catholic news you need to know. Here's Joe Sixpack's Top 5 Catholic News Picks for this episode. Catholic News Pick Number 5
1: Hats off to Catholic News Agency. Matt Burke was a star center for the Minnesota Vikings, but he's also a pro-life Catholic. And now he's starting in high school to encourage young people to lead lives of virtue. At Unity, we're sure a lot of kids will go to college. Some will go into the workforce. Some will go into the military. Some will discern religious vocations. And we think there is equal dignity in all those things, said Burke. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic
0: Catholic News Pick pick Number number 4
1: Hats off to the Daily Wire. According to the mother of an Ohio mother of two, when her daughter went into a long coma following a seizure, doctors told the woman's mother that her daughter was brain dead and she should pull the plug. But seven months after slipping into a coma, the daughter awakened, making a full recovery. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic news pick number
0: number three. three.
1: Hats off to LifeSite News. Attorneys for several gender-confused Medicaid patients announced a settlement with the state of Wisconsin, clearing the way for gender reassignment treatments to begin being offered at taxpayers' expense. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes. Catholic
0: Catholic News Pick Number number 2
1: Hats off to the Blaze A Wisconsin police officer has filed a lawsuit against Dunkin' Donuts after an employee admitted to spitting in the officer's coffee. It's about time attacked and offended police officers started fighting back against the prevailing anti-cop sentiments of the loony left. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes.
0: Catholic Catholic News Pick Number number 1
1: Hats off to the Western Journal you may soon have a conservative version of the Squad in Washington, courtesy of Alabama House candidate Jessica Taylor. In an appearance on Fox & Friends, Taylor, a candidate for the 2nd Congressional District in Alabama, appeared alongside three other Republican women running for the lower house in 2020. You can read the whole story by clicking the link in my show notes.
0: Warning to snowflakes. If he thinks it, he says it. It's time now for Joe Sixpack's Common Sense Catholic Commentary.
1: I'd like to begin this commentary with a story that'll help me lead into the main topic. A general of a king's army wanted to rule the whole land himself, so he rose up against the king with a large number of soldiers. The battle lasted a long time, but the rebel general was finally routed and fled with his family into another country. The general was very unhappy in exile, trying to live with the shame he'd brought on himself and his family. Dressed like the beggar he'd become, he went back to the palace and entered the hall where the king held audience. He walked to the royal throne holding the king's own two-year-old child in his arms. The rebel general approached the throne, knelt before the king, and said, Your Majesty, I'm the general who fought against you and wanted to take your life. I, as well as my wife and children, deserve to be put to death for my crime. But for the sake of this little boy, whom your majesty loves, I beg you to spare my family and me. There was silence in the hall. Everybody wanted to hear what the king would say. The king stood, and with a stern look began to speak. Yes, you and your whole family deserve to be put to death because you've been a traitor. But because you ask me to spare your life for the sake of my little son, I cannot refuse your request. I love my son and cannot refuse him anything. For his sake, then, I not only pardon you and your wife and children, but I shall also bring you all back to my palace to live with me in even greater honor than you had before. This is what happens every time we go to Holy Mass. We're like the traitorous general who offends God with our sins. But because we offer the Son to the Father at Mass and beg his mercy for the Son's sake, the Heavenly Father can't refuse our request because it's Jesus himself who pleads our case. Knowing this truth, any person who's grateful to the Father is certain to want to show God the proper signs of respect he demands through his holy church. There are many abuses that have crept into the laity's participation of the Mass, not just those of disloyal priests, but thanks be to God, they are minor compared to other abuses. And some things where the laity are connected to the Mass are merely misconceptions. Still, we owe God all the proprieties as our sign of respect and to help us remember the great mystical event taking place when we attend the Holy Sacrifice of the Mass. Let's begin by clearing up one common misconception. I hear Catholics say all the time that they went to church to celebrate Mass. Frankly, it's not possible for us to celebrate Mass. Only the priest celebrates Holy Mass. We lay people participate in that celebration, but we can't actually do the celebration itself. That's for the priest alone. Another misconception has to do with when we enter the church. Firstly, bowing is not the proper posture for entering the church. We are to genuflect, unless we have a genuine physical limitation that keeps us from doing that. Then, it's appropriate to bow. And we're not, contrary to what seems to be the popular belief, genuflecting to the altar. The only time our focus is on the altar is when Jesus is on it. When we enter the Church of Genuflect, we're genuflecting to the King of Kings in the tabernacle. It's always amazed me to see people genuflect on Good Friday, when Jesus isn't even present. Some say they do it out of habit and know better. That's understandable, but most people don't actually know any better. I once attended a Mass at a cathedral where the bishop had moved the tabernacle off to the side, displacing it from its most proper place at the high altar. When people came in, they still genuflected to the altar instead of the tabernacle. This made it obvious they don't know why they're genuflecting. So why do we genuflect at all? We genuflect to show His Majesty our respect, love reverence and to acknowledge him as our Lord and Creator. After all, it's a little hard to believe in the real presence of Christ in the Holy Eucharist and not pay homage to him. In the missalettes that are so common in parishes today, as well as in Missals and the priest's sacramentary, there are what are called rubrics. These rubrics are instructions on what's to be done and at the proper moment to do them during mass. They are complete in the pre sacramentary because they come from an ecclesiastical document referred to as the germ, General Instruction of the Roman Missal, G-I-R-M. They're reasonably complete for the laity in most missals and missalettes, but downright incomplete in some of them. These rubrics are there for a reason, so we can give God the worship Holy Mother Church insists that we give Him saint Teresa of Lisieux, also known as the Little Flower, said that she would die for even one rubric of the Mass. This popular saint said this to show us the importance of those rubrics. When readers go to the pulpit to read, I often hear them ad-lib the introduction to the reading. That's wrong and shouldn't be done. They should read only what's there. The people often read along with the reader, which is perfectly all right, What's not all right, though, is reading the gospel when the priest or deacon is reading it to the people. Why? Because at this point, we're hearing Jesus proclaim his good news through those who've received holy orders to act in his stead. Instead of reading along, we should have our attention focused on the priest or deacon. When we recite the creed, there is one thing required I hardly ever see anyone do anymore. The Nicene Creed says, For the sake of us men and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was made flesh by the Holy Spirit from the Virgin Mary, and became man. It's during this sentence we're required to bow except at Christmas when we kneel. The reason we do this is we're paying homage to the fact of the Incarnation, that is, when God became man. There are two things people frequently do during the Our Father that shouldn't be done at all, holding hands and holding the hands out with their palms upward. There's absolutely nothing in the rubrics that authorizes these practices, and there are abuses that have crept into the Mass during the rebellious 70s. Besides, the gesture of palms upward is a priestly gesture, not a lay gesture, symbolizing the prayers of all the people going through the priest to heaven. Finally, there's the sign of peace. You see, Jesus is already on the altar at this point, so our focus is supposed to be on him, not one another. The proper way to perform the sign of peace is to turn to the person on each side of you, gently grasp the other person's hand, and say, peace be with you. We're not supposed to turn around to the people behind us, wave to people across the church, or leave our pews to go to others. When we turn around to someone else or leave the pew, we're turning our back on Jesus. And we're most certainly not to kiss or hug someone because that's most appropriate in any public venue. The focus of the Mass is Jesus, not other people. Hi there friends and neighbors, this is your old pal El Monte Slim telling you to start reading Joe's six-pack, the Every Catholic Guy's Weekly column in The Wander, America's oldest independent Catholic newspaper. The folks at The Wander have made a special trial subscription offer just for you 6 and it's only $39 for six months. That's only a buck and a half an issue, less than a cup of coffee. Joe has a subscription link in his show notes. So listen to the old pal El Monte Slim and subscribe today. I believe a really great way to teach the faith is through stories, parables, and anecdotes. So here's today's story. John was lying paralyzed in a coma in an advanced modern hospital. His lips couldn't move, eyes couldn't blink, and not a part of his body could move in protest when he heard the doctors say to each other, He's gone. Nothing more can be done for him. John had been given up for dead. He was terrified when he heard this, yet he couldn't show he was still alive. Just then a priest came in. They called you too late, the doctors told him. The priest ignored the doctors and took a last chance because priests are trained to administer the anointing of the sick up to eight hours after apparent death. Father administered conditional absolution and the anointing of the sick just in case there was still the last little bit of life in John. John suddenly came out of his coma. Everyone said it was a miracle. John told the priest later how much he felt the strength-giving, life-giving powers of the sacrament, and how happy he was to know that the church carries on for you, even after the world and medical science have given up on you. The anointing of the sick not only gave John strength to his soul, but also gave health to his body. The anointing of the sick was the last friend he had to help him come back from death's door, or to help him safely pass through that door, if it had been God's will. Don't wait until you or your loved ones are hopelessly ill before calling a priest. Indeed, you should call a priest immediately after calling the doctor. The anointing of the sick may be your cure when everything else fails, just like in John's case. That's it for this episode, Six Packers. Be sure to come back and listen to next week's episode. If you like The Cantankerous Catholic, be sure to write a review wherever you download it so other like-minded Catholics can more easily find it. And be sure to visit my show notes to get links to other things relevant to this episode. As long as you're on the show notes, drop a comment at the bottom to let me know what you think of this episode, or to suggest topics for future episodes. If you happen to be on cantankerouscatholic.com for the show notes, download a free copy of The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It, Volume 1, and visit the Joe's Stuff page to get copies of my other books and some really neat coffee mugs. I think you six-packers are the cream of the Catholic crop, and I really appreciate you listening. Just remember, though, comfort and conviction— Don't live on the same block. This has
0: been The Cantankerous Catholic with Joe Sixpack, the Every Catholic Guy. Thanks for subscribing, and be sure to visit cantankerouscatholic.com to get your free copy of Joe's popular book, The Best of What We Believe, Why We Believe It.